You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Off and running on this Monday, December 16th. Hey there, this is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Whole lot to get to, 60 minutes to run through it all. Can we do it? Well, if you're a regular listener, you know, no, we can't. You know that we can't do it, but we'll try anyway, right? What kind of attitude is that for a Monday morning? little Monday inspiration. Come on. Uh, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I am on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. On Instagram, at Gordon Damer. I keep mentioning it. You keep ignoring it. We'll see who ends up winning this battle. Uh, of course, the daily poll question is up as well for today. We will get to that in a little bit. Obviously, we have to touch on all the Week 15 action around the NFL. But some baseball stuff. Madison Bumgarner off the board. Goes to Arizona. Huge development in the Astros cheating scandal happened over the weekend. One that really, if true, it's a report, if true, really leaves Major League Baseball no choice. Speaking of cheating, did you get to see the video that the Patriots were shooting at the Bengals sideline a couple of weeks ago? Fox had it during their pregame show. Jay Glazer somehow figuring out a way to get his hands on that video. Not that you really needed to see the video. It was exactly what you thought it would be. It was them shooting the sidelines again. So we can get into that. And I have one last turn. It was the subject of the poll question on Friday. One final turn in terms of the uh, the movie The Irishman. We will not focus on it for very long, but one interesting little thing that popped up after the show on Friday. One that once again proves I am a thousand percent correct. But we'll get to that. But let's start. With the New York Giants. Speaking of things that have been going on far too long, the Giants season continued yesterday. Giants and Dolphins in a game only a mother could love. Eli Manning, possibly his final start at MetLife. Giants team a chance. Probably their, <laughs> maybe their last chance to get their first win since September. Dolphins control the game early. Even though it was only a 10-7 game at halftime, Dolphins had a chance to really kind of put some points on the board in the first half and were not able to do so. Had that fourth down play instead of kicking the field goal. Were not able to push it through. Giants come out in the second half then and really handed it to Miami. They got the ball in the second half. First drive, six plays. Eli hits Darius Slayton, touchdown. Some turnovers. Dolphins had a fumble even though it's amazing to me. There's video of the guy, knee down, ball still in his hands. Not we call it a fumble. All right, whatever. Uh, Eli with a bad pick there. Dolphins got a field goal. Giants punt, and really that was the turning point because that punt, which blew for about, I think they were opening up those gates that they used to have at the old Meadowlands because the ball just kept blowing and blowing and blowing. A penalty backed up the Dolphins a little bit more, and for some reason a team, a team whose leading rusher, is their 37-year-old journeyman quarterback. Backs against the wall. Decide, you know what? Our best play here to make sure we get out of the end zone and don't get a safety, let's take our undrafted running back and run him out nice and wide. And you knew how that was going to turn out. It did. That the turning point. Giants roll from there. Got a touchdown on the next. I think they got a touchdown on the next two drives. They had one punt in there, but they basically scored three touchdowns and four drives. Giants win 36-20. The defense stepping up in the second half. Saquon Barkley stepping up in the second half. Really, in what has been a disastrous second season for Saquon Barkley. I mean, he has not been good. It has been uh, the injury, just not effective, running behind that offensive line. It has not been a good second season for Saquon, but he got a couple of touchdowns. But the real story, obviously, is Eli Manning. 
the day that Giant fans wanted him to have. Yes, he threw some picks, but uh, threw a couple of touchdown passes. He was 20 of 28, two touchdowns, and it got to experience the cheers again, right? The Giants got to win a game again. It's been a long time since both of those things happened. And for Eli, I'm sure there's going to be lots of things already written about uh, how amazing of a day it was. He's always been a guy. I have not been the biggest supporter of Eli Manning in terms of him being the quarterback long term for a while. But he's always been a guy who's carried himself the right way. And while the last few years kind of made it impossible to defend him, it was almost like for some Giant fans, it was like everything was happening to Eli. No, Eli was part of the problem as well. But it was never anything personal against the guy. He was a good dude, you know that, and carried himself in the right way. So the fact that he gets that win with his family in the stands, great moment for him. Got to hear the ovation from the people who uh, showed up to MetLife yesterday to cheer him on. And I'm happy for him. I do feel like that's what you want to see for an all-time great player. But it's funny because a lot of the takeaways have been he deserves this. And I do think that I deserve is a strange word to be using there. I'm happy that he got it. But did he deserve it? It's almost like when you use the word deserved, it's almost like he was owed it. He's not owed anything. You see headlines, this is justice for Eli. Eli has not been some hard done to player. I mean, the Giants did everything they could for themselves, for Eli, for the team. It hasn't worked. They picked the wrong people to put in place, and they've been a bad team primarily here for quite some time. But Eli's been part of that as well. It's not like he's been this man on the island who is blameless in the situation. But I'm happy for him. You'll hear a lot about Eli's pregame speech firing up the team. I heard about that. And that makes for a nice narrative. But the team came out terrible in the first. I mean, the first quarter, it was like they were sleepwalking. The defense couldn't tackle a soul. So you hear about, I think it was Darius Slayton and Saquon. Saquon was talking to somebody and said, you know what, let's go out here and, and make sure that Eli gets sent off properly. Well, maybe that did anybody clue the defense in on that? Com- Could somebody have that conversation with the defense is my point. But I'm happy for him. It doesn't change anything. This win, I don't think, really means anything other than a nice day for Eli. It doesn't mean anything for Pat Shermer. He's still going to be out after the, uh, the 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 season that he's had and the two years that he's had here as the head coach. I don't think he'd be d- delusional. And you know what re- really made me think? After the game, Eli got the game ball, had a little speech in the locker room, and gave the team off until Wednesday. He said, ah, we'll see you on Wednesday. And apparently that was a surprise to Pat Shermer. While Eli's been standing on the sidelines, maybe they should have been having him coach the team. It's not like he could have done any worse, right? Maybe that's what they have Eli do over the final two weeks of the regular season. And while the Giants beat Miami yesterday, the good news is for them, at least right now, like I could understand some fans being upset. Well, what are you doing? You win that game, it's going to hurt our draft position. It really didn't, not, at least not yet. At least not yet, because due to the tiebreakers, first tiebreaker is strength of schedule. And the Giants' schedule, based on the fact they play in the NFC East, has actually been a much weaker schedule than Miami. So at least as of right now, the number two pick, even with that win, even with the win over the team that's in third place, the Giants still remain in number two. So it was a good day all around for the Giants, good for them. And what it really does 
It really sets up a fascinating weekend next weekend if you're into awful football. Right? It's almost like the awful football playoffs because you have the number one most awful team, the Bengals, playing the Dolphins, one against three. And you have the Giants, who are currently two, playing the Redskins, who are currently four. So it doesn't belong on the Red Zone channel. I don't know. Maybe the sideline channel. Maybe they, they need a specific channel just for really bad football. Because if you watch the Red Zone channel, if you're a fan of one of those four teams, chances are you don't see them very often. So you need your own separate channel just for the bad ones. And you have two fascinating games that really could go a long way to determining the uh, draft position when the draft does roll around. But good for Eli. I guess that Daniel Jones, you know, Giants still do have one final home game against the Eagles in Week 17. So I guess that game... They're expecting that Daniel Jones will be back. It would be weird after everything that happened yesterday for Eli still to be starting that game. Maybe next week against Washington he could still start. I don't know what Daniel Jones's status is going to be for then. But it would be weird for Eli to get another start at MetLife after you just send him. It would be like at a, being at a party and you, you say goodbye to somebody. And then 10 minutes later you still see that person at the party. Well, you said you were leaving. But I'm sure the talk is going to be about Eli because, let's be honest, the win itself is not really all that important long-term. So good for Eli, good for the Giants, good for Pat Shermer to uh, at least experience a, a win before the inevitable happens after the season. But does it mean anything long-term? No, not really. It's been a lost season for the Giants, and at least for one weekend, they didn't lose another game. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So our poll question, which is up for today, it is on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. I mentioned this weekend is going next weekend, not this past one that just came. Next weekend is setting up really pretty fascinating because you have the four worst teams battling for positioning in the draft. And for these four teams, there's nothing left to play for this year. Now that the Eli question, it would be one thing if Eli didn't get this win today and next week was a home game and you still wanted him to go. No, that's been taken out of the equation. Eli's had his day, he's had the cheers, he's had everything. So our poll question for today, it's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Week 16, just focusing on the Giants. Giants, Washington. A win, or excuse me, let's start, a loss moves the Giants closer to the number two pick. It could still be screwed up if they somehow beat the Eagles in week 17, which seems unlikely. But let's just focus on week 16 for for right now. A loss means you move closer to the number two pick. Now, there were reports over the weekend that Chase Young actually is thinking about returning for his senior season. But I think that's a that probably is a lot of posturing right now. So our question is, would you rather, because if you win next week, that at least sets up, if you win next week, you right now drop down to four at least. And there's the possibility if you win next week, you could move all the way down to five. Could you imagine this season? A giant season as bad as this. I mean, it's been a disaster, one thing after another. And you only end up with the fifth pick in the draw. Oh, that would be, I mean, it's still the fifth pick, but to drop down that far after the season's already decided, you've lost week after week after week. So the poll question is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. A loss, Giants move closer to the second overall pick. A win drops them down to at least fourth, maybe even lower than that. What would you rather have? Would you rather get the win 
or would you rather get the second pick? Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. One other thing about Eli I forgot to mention in the open. Um, the win yesterday gets his career record back to uh, break even. I think it's 116 and 116. I'm sure. If it's not today, I've already heard it once driving in. But I'm sure before too long, the conversation about Eli will focus again on uh, his Hall of Fame career or, or his Hall of Fame chances, right? We've had that conversation a billion times. And sure, uh, if he retires after this season or, or whatever happens, that conversation will come up again. Today's the, not the day for me. I, I don't really care that much about it right now. But let me just say this. Whatever side of the aisle you're on when it comes to that, if you are basing any part of it, on what his career record is. I can't imagine you have a vote, but if you did, you should have it taken away. Career, if we talk about how wins for a starting pitcher is a dumb stat, it's not, it doesn't really indicate anything because you're taking everything that happens in the game, things within the control of the pitcher and all the other things out of the control of the pitcher and all associating it with him. So if it's dumb for that, it's really dumb for a starting quarterback. At least sometimes in, in, in baseball, the pitcher at least hits. The quarterback never plays defense. So that entire section never plays special teams. So that whole, those two sections of the game have nothing to do with wins is not a quarterback stat. Stop making it one. So I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If you're focusing, if any part of your argument is, well, I think he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because his career record. Why are we even talking? I mean, it's so stupid. So stupid. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. A couple of things. A, I said we've lost a section of our listeners. I have to assume. I don't know this for sure, but I believe this is true. And it's sad. Now, we're still calculating all of our listeners. But I have to assume any of our listeners who had the Redskins and the points yesterday, or if you knew someone who had the Redskins and the points yesterday, my condolences. To lose a bet like that, oh my God, they should do, uh, Scott Van Pelt has the bad beats, they could do a 30 for 30 on that bad beat. To be winning your bet, to be winning the game. Until, what, like 30 seconds left, the the Eagles get the touchdown. Okay, fine. You're still in good shape. You're still in fine shape. And then on the final play for Dwayne Haskins, who had a good game yesterday and maybe is starting to point things in the right direction. Who knows? To fumble the ball for the Eagles to pick it up and run it in and to lose your bet on that final play. Oh, if that had happened to me... (laughs) I'd have to go sit in a closet for at least a day. I'd have to be a, you know, the thing that they had in um, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter, where he's strapped up and he's got the thing over his face. Just the rage that I would feel losing a bet that way, that would be, that would require a call to 1 800 Gambler just to complain. Sir, that's not really what we do. I don't care. I got to tell somebody. This is, they say gambling problem. I got a huge gambling problem. Dwayne Haskins fumbled the ball and they got picks. Oh, what a terrible. That, I would never forgive Dwayne Haskins. He's in his rookie year for as long. Dwayne Haskins could go on to have a Hall of Fame career. I would never forgive him for losing that bet that way. Secondly, 
Let's all say thank you to the Dallas Cowboys. Why thank you? Cowboys yesterday destroyed the Rams. Why is that a big deal? Well, it's important that they won the game, not just won the game, but won the game that way, a blowout, really never in question in the second half. Why? Because if that had been a close game, think about the amount of time we would have spent, not we, this show, but other shows, shows you watch, shows you listen to, focusing on whatever happened with the coin toss. Dak Prescott, Cowboys won the toss. He screwed up. I guess he said originally kick instead of defer, and then he eventually said defer. They got it straightened out. It didn't matter because it was a blowout. But imagine if that game came down to the wire. All the segments on all the sh- How does the NFL fix this? The only time it's really, I think, ever happened. I, I remember J- Jerome Bettis, I think it was on a, a Thanksgiving Day game. He screwed up. the. They gave him a... But there would be segments in every show. How does the NFL fix this? Should the coin toss now be reviewable? Well, you know, it's a really important part of the game. You should be able to review it as if that would ever fix it. You know there would be segments, how does this impact Jason Garrett's coaching future with the Cowboys? Or they would be placing blame on Jason Garrett for the, this is a reason why Jason Garrett has to be out after this season. It was a coin toss and they screwed it up. You have to have your team ready for the coin toss right at the start of the game. So th- all of us, we should all be saying thank you to the Cowboys for mo- removing all of that stupidity from our line of sight. one 800 919 espn one 800 919 3776 All right, let's get a couple of calls in here because um, I always wait too long and then we run out of time. James is in Jersey. James, what's going on, my man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, with the Giants, I think we should just treat it like a preseason. You know, have you, we want to tank, but at the same time, uh, you know, you want Eli let him play to halftime and then it doesn't matter who plays the third and fourth quarter because, you know, we really want to lose. And just you don't want him to get hurt. And then if you want to play for somebody else next season, then, you know, he's, you know, you know. Who, Eli? Yeah, I don't think he's going to want to play for anybody else next season. I think he just wants to be the Giants quarterback. The problem with that is, though, like how how does Washington approach – like all four of these teams – well, maybe not Miami because they seem like they're the dopiest of the bunch – but all these teams, I would think going into these games with what's riding on the line for the future, I think that you would kind of not try to approach it with a win, which is fine when you're the only team that's doing that. But when the other team is also not interested in winning the game, like I don't know how Washington's going to approach it because they have played better here over the last few weeks. And while they didn't win yesterday – They've at least tried. They haven't. It doesn't seem like they haven't gone out there and just you know slapped it together. So I I don't know how they're going to approach it. And I could definitely see you know for Pat Shermer, who's coaching probably the final games of his career, he's probably going to want to win them too. So I don't know how this is going to play out. It's going to be very fascinating though to watch those uh, those two games when none of the teams involved are any good. It's very rare that you get a game that's involving that many bad teams and it has any interest whatsoever. You try to avoid it generally, but I don't think you can avoid it this weekend. Lewis is in Whippany. Lewis, what's going on, my man? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. What's up? Hey, listen, I know we're beating the horse. You know, it's pretty much dead already, but mm-hmm. the NFL really has to do something about these referees, man. I know you say it's such a stupid thing to worry about the coin toss, 
Or like, come on, how do you not know? If they're gonna re- if they're gonna kick off in the first half, they gotta receive the second half. And then I forgot which game it was. I think it was a, uh, the Panthers were in it. Like the referees, there's two there's two in the back uh, the back of the end zone discussing whether it's a touchdown or not. Dude, just say it's a touchdown. Use the rule. Yeah, but see, that, you know what, Lewis? But that's a, you know that's one of the problems with the rule, and I know what you're saying because a lot of people say that, like, oh, well, just allow the play to continue, and then get it right on replay. But the problem with that is, is that then it, ha- it this is what it, it's supposed to be. The the replay is only really supposed to fix the egregious call. So if you call something originally, it's almost like you have to have overwhelming evidence to overturn it. If it's just kind of slightly in the favor of one or the other, it's not going to be enough to improve it. So I get what you're saying, like always allow the play to continue. And I agree that's generally the right approach, but that does put more onus on the officials because they're not going to be able to overturn things that are just slightly, or at least they shouldn't be. That's The, the rule is there to only fix the egregious call. Now, that's not generally the, what has actually been in practice. But that puts more of an onus on if you allow the play to continue, it or whatever the original call is has kind of a leg up in in turning out what, what's going to actually be the eventual call, whether it's right or wrong. So just letting the play continue is not always the right approach, and that's part of the problem with the way the replay is set up. They do not just use it to fix the egregious call. If they did that, well, then everybody would be on – on board, but what we we say that we want that, but when it really when it comes to our team, like I'll I'll admit to you the the uh, replay of the uh, the fumble in the in the in the giant game yesterday of um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's fumble. Now there's there's evidence that shows his knee is down, the ball is still in his hand. It looked like the ball was starting to come out, but it's not clear that the ball was definitely coming out. So if they had ruled that a non fumble. I think the evidence, the, the the video would have backed that up and it would have just played out. So it's not egregious. It's not fixing a, a, a clear oversight. But the fact that they originally ruled it a fumble means that they were going to probably stick with that original call. Now, it was not overwhelming one side or the other. So it's not really like they're really fixing the call at all. It's just, all right, well, what we called originally, that's going to be what we we stick with. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Oh, one other thing about the NFL I wanted before we get back to the calls. The Raiders yesterday, this was uh, another game that was just fascinating for me. Raiders go out yesterday, final game of the black hole, have a 16-3 lead. Everybody, fig- I think that line went up a lot in the last couple of days because everybody, ah, the Raiders, is their final. There's going to be this emotional component. I like to stay away from that, and not that my bets have been that great lately. I finally had a winning week this week, but I like to stay away from what the emotional components are. So the Raiders have a 16-3 lead at a half. They go scoreless in the second half, lose the final game, and the fans, obviously, <laughs> well, they're at the black, the Raider fans at the black hole, so they're not going to be happy to begin with. But all of us, remember like a month ago, right before the Jets and Raiders game, I feel like there were so many talk show hosts, myself included, who say, you know what? Maybe we got it wrong about John Gruden. Maybe John Gruden he has his team looking like they could be a playoff team. Even if they miss out, they're far better than we thought they were going to be. So maybe he deserves some credit. Well, I think it's no, he did not deserve credit. And in fact, I want to take my credit back and I want interest. I want interest on the credit that I originally mistakenly gave John Gruden because no, he does not deserve credit. 
Secondly, it's almost like the Raiders were trying to make the breakup easier for the fans. Like if you're if you're leaving somebody, but you realize that person's a good person, maybe you'd be a little bit of a jerk out the door so the person moves on quickly from you. It's almost like the Raiders were trying to make it easier on their fans to break up with them before they move to Las Vegas by just soiling the sheets. I mean, what other way would you put it? Blowing a six against the Jaguars. It wasn't even like they were they were playing like the Seahawks or something, right? Like a really good team. You can understand. All right, you know, we gave it our best shot. We weren't able to win. You were playing the Jaguars. And then you see after the game, Raider fans arrested, fights breaking out. Gardner Minshaw said that he had never seen so many middle fingers in his life. Let's be honest. Raider fans were going to be beating somebody up after the game. It just so happened they were. it was a lot of more beating up of themselves. They were beating up other Raider fans rather than any Jaguar fans. Who I mean, Imagine the guts you have to have to go into the black hole in the final game wearing like a Jaguars jersey. That pro- that's not a good life decision right there, my friend. But uh, at least for the Jaguar fans, they got to win. Good for them. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Guys, I appreciate it. This is a special win, man. They're all special. So uh, all of them are tough. Doesn't matter what the feeling is. What the season's going, there's not a better feeling than a win in the locker room on a Sunday, boys. So I appreciate this one. It's special. And uh, let's keep it rolling, all right? I'll see y'all Wednesday. Anything where the, the the rest of the team start, ah, it's always going to sound better. Like just saying we'll see you on Wednesday is not that mo- uh, it's firing of a thing to say, but yeah, man, you guys get fired up for a day off. Hey, it's the Gordon Damer Show, your moment of inspiration for this Monday morning. That, of course, Eli Manning after the win yesterday. Giants get their first win since September. And finally end the losing skid. So Eli has been a big topic of conversation. The Giants have been a big topic of conversation. And our poll questions focused on the Giants for this Monday morning. It simply is, right? Next week is really a fascinating week for bad football because you have the four worst teams. It looks like the Bengals are almost certainly going to get the number one pick. But two, three, four, that's still kind of be decided. And it'll be largely decided by what happens next week because you get the Giants going up against Washington. You get the Bengals playing Miami. So our poll question is, Next week, a loss would move the Giants closer to the second overall pick. And I know that he said that he might go back to school, but you'd think that there's a good possibility that Chase Young could be that second pick. A young stud of a defensive player that would come in with the Giants who have already used. They have some interesting players on defense. Some guys have not really played all that well, but you can see some projections along the defensive line of maybe... All of a sudden, you add a pass rusher to the mix there, especially somebody who projects as, as, as great as Chase Young is. All the guys that have kind of come out here over the last few years, pro football focused, not that they're perfect by any means, but they have him, Chase Young, rated higher than any of the players that have come out, I think, over the last three years. So a loss would move the Giants closer to that second overall pick. A win would drop them down to at least fourth. And based on how the season ends, they I mean, could you imagine the Giants having like the fifth pick in the draft? So what would you rather have? That's the poll question. Give me the W. Give me number two. Uh, I know I'm supposed to be the guy always goes the other way. I'd say no, of course, number two. That's going to be what wins the poll question. I can understand why. It's been a lost season. The last thing I want to have is the fifth pick. I'd rather have the second pick. And people will bring up all the time, well, you know what? Good teams, they're able to find players at any point. Right, The Ravens, they were able to find Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round. Yes, the Ravens know what they're doing. 
If you're picking at the top half of the draft, clearly, I mean, I'm not saying you don't know what you're doing all the time, but it's pretty clear with the way the Giants have gone here that they really haven't known what they're doing. So to make the, the it's like a test. And if I can make the test a little bit easier, that's what the Giants, the Giants need the test to be kind of scaled back so it's a little bit easier. And having the second pick should make things a little bit easier, not a huge amount, but yeah, if I can have the second pick and I know for sure Chase Young is the guy I'm going to go, yes, I'd rather have the second pick than some meaningless win against Washington. That doesn't matter. It's not, it's not like that win against Washington is going to have any some big impact. You're going to have a different coach next year. You're going to have a lot of different players. You might have a different GM. What difference does it matter if you win a meaningless game? Sorry. So that's the poll question. You can vote on it. On Twitter, at Gordon Damer. All right, so Friday, we focused a lot on the movie The Irishman. Something happened after the show. So the poll question was up. A lot of people voted on it. Thank you very much for that. More people voted. It was a masterpiece than uh, than rubbish. Uh, so I lost the poll question, which I knew I was. I said I, th- I think I said on the air I was going to lose. But I do feel vindicated because it was very close. I think it was like 53, 47, somewhere around there. So the fact that it was as close as it was shows that thinking it was terrible was not an outrageous opinion to have. But then the show ends, right? So the show ends. Golik and Wingo start. I got some stuff to do here. But at some point, you know, I have a free moment or two. I pop on the iPad. And I notice I don't go on Facebook that much anymore. I don't really use that anymore. I use Instagram and I use Twitter. But I notice I have – I don't know if this is true of everybody, but my Instagram messenger is a different app. And that one I really never look at. But I see that I have a little notification there. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I look at what the notification is and I notice that it is longtime movie critic Jeffrey Lyons. So I think to myself, oh, boy. <laughs> this guy has heard what I said. He's going to tell me – you know, look, he's a, I mean he's been a movie critic I would think probably 40 years so he's looking at the movie at a different level than you or I, right? You and I are just kind of looking to be entertained where he's able to look at the subtext of the movie and what the director's doing here and what the message this sends. So he messages me out of the blue. I don't know him at all. And at first I figured, all right, he's, he's going to be telling me, look, you, this is the reason why it's brilliant. This is the reason you, you miss this, you, you rube. And I'm looking for the deeper meeting, but uh, he's working at, a, obviously, a higher level than I am. So his message to me kind of floored me because what he said to me was, quote, you are correct about the Irishman. It is pretentiously long and boring. And he mentioned, you know, he loves Scorsese, as we all do. But Pacino looks nothing like Hoffa. De Niro was completely the wrong guy to have in that role. So even though I already felt vindicated by the fact that the poll question was as close as it was, I felt even more so after having his – look, this is a guy who's an expert in it, right? This is a guy who's made his living on his tax uh, tax form. His occupation is movie critic. That's his job, and he agreed with me. Perfect. All right. Moving on. That's the last we will talk. Oh, wait a sec. Marlon wants to talk about the other. Marlon, what's going on, man? Hey, hi, Gordon. Yeah, what's I up? I listen to you every morning. Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, saw, I, I heard you talking about this uh, Irishman last week. Yeah. 
So I, I watched it. I tried to. Yeah. I couldn't make it through. I, I think you. I made it through. I don't even know it was half that I made it through. But you was right. I love all the actors in there. Yeah, when they're all they great. Younger, yeah, when, when they, they were younger. younger. Right. Yep. That is, the, the, the movie is a good story, believe it or not. Yeah. The only thing is, they, if it was young guys playing the role... Of course. of course. No, look, you know, there's a. Re- I, I've heard that the book is fantastic, but there's a reason why we all didn't read the book because it takes too long, and the movie was as long as reading the book. <laughs> no, I mean obviously. So we'll move on from the Irishman. I know some people are sick of us talking about it, but uh, if you've not seen it, I would say don't. But at least I feel a little bit more justified in uh, saying what I did. Secondly, did you notice what happened over the weekend with the Astros? The Astros cheating scandal has, I don't even know, it almost, when you say the cheating scandal, it almost makes it seem like, well, it's still kind of, be, no. The fact that the Astros cheated. Andy Martino of SNY had the report that Astros personnel have admitted to Major League Baseball that the club used the center field video camera to relay or rely on pitching signals in real time, quote, the witnesses from the Astros organization were interviewed by the league as part of the investigation into the Astros' alleged electronic sign-stealing scheme. According to the interviewees, they told the league that the camera used was an existing camera approved by Major League Baseball. They told investigators that the camera was used since the feed was aired on a monitor behind the Astros dugout. They denied that any additional cameras were installed solely for the purpose of stealing signals. And that the Astros witnesses thought that the actions were in line with the industry standards. Well, this is all nonsense. It doesn't matter whether or not you installed a new camera or it was the one approved by Major League Baseball. It wasn't approved for that. Major League Baseball told you not to do that. But here they are. Oh, yes, we absolutely broke the law. But we didn't know that. The, the, but the, the camera, you it's approved by Major League Baseball. So we thought we could use it for anything we wanted. No, that's not how it works. So now that the fact that they admitted that they did what has been accused and really accused from one of their former players in Mike Fires means that Major League Baseball really has no choice but to bring down the hammer. It would be one thing if baseball's investigation still was it was never really able to get a firm answer on what happened. This is a sign they got a firm answer. They did it. And they can spin it however they want. Well, we didn't install any new cam- No. You used the ones that were there, but what you used it for was to break the rules and not did so on a limited basis. You did it over and over and over again. So for A.J. Hinch, gone. For Jeff Lunau, gone. You can have other punishments as well, whatever you wanted to do, a fine, um, take away draft picks, which I'm sure will be part of it. But it's clear Major League Baseball has to take the people involved. And yes, that involves your Mets manager, Carlos Beltran. They all have to be facing some sort of discipline. If baseball comes out and says, do not do this, and then you go out and do it, and do it with the level of success that the Astros had, 
and then Major League Baseball finds that you did do it. Well, what is Major League Baseball supposed to do? But they have to come down and hammer the Astros. And hammering them is not vacating a title. It's not fining them $10 million. It is taking the people who are involved and removing them from ever doing something again. Not just as a punishment to them, but as a warning to anyone else who might think about doing something similar. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. We've been talking a lot about the Giants. Giants get their first win since September yesterday, beat the Dolphins 36-20, to and a lot of the focus obviously has been on Eli Manning. Eli likely, maybe, possibly his final game at MetLife. It certainly seemed like that uh, with the way that he got the send-off yesterday, the standing ovation. He got to talk to the team after the game, got the game ball. And uh, good for Eli. I do kind of disagree with some of the takes that I've heard. It almost feels like I saw the post. There was a headline. This is justice for Eli or that somehow he was he's deserved that he not that he necessarily deserved deserved is a strange the way people are using the word deserved. It almost is like he is owed this. No, the reason the Giants have been bad have been a lot of reasons why. But his play over the last few years has uh, been part of that. But even while he was part of it, I think that most people always kind of were rooting for him as a person. I think that everybody knows he's a good guy, good dude. So nice to see him get one last round of applause, which I think he would have gotten probably no matter what. It wouldn't have been as deafening as it was yesterday, at least for the people that were there. But good for Eli, good for the Giants. And now, really, the second point is sets up a fascinating weekend next weekend with the four worst teams playing each other. So there's the possibility that the Giants could move closer to get the second pick. But they could, if they won next week, I think that at least they would drop down to at least four. And I guess you could probably drop even lower because all of a sudden Detroit has not won a game in almost two months. And they've lost seven in a row. So now the Giants, Miami and Washington are three and 11 and Detroit's three, 10 and one. So they're, they're moving up the charts very fast. And as far as the Jets, I don't think the Jets are going to win any more games. But all of a sudden, if they ever did win another game, they got the Bills and the Steelers, right? If they ever did win another game, you're talking about the Jets having like a mid-round pick in the first round. Right now, there's seven. But they're tied with Jacksonville, the Chargers, Denver, Carolina, and Atlanta. Atlanta right now is 12th. The Jets are seventh. So a win there would be devastating for them. Now, in terms of strength of schedule, the Jets are sitting pretty good because they have the weakest strength of schedule of all those teams. But right behind Atlanta is Oakland. And Oakland has the exact same strength of schedule as the Jets. And the first tie, remember that used to be, if it was, if you were tied record, tied strength of schedule, the next thing would be a, a coin toss. They removed that. So now if you're tied in the first two, it's head to head. And of course, the Jets did beat the Raiders earlier this year. So there you go. All right. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get a couple more calls in here before we get out of here. Here's Floyd in Harlem. Floyd, what's going on, my man? Hey, how you doing? I, I, I agree with you with, when you said earlier about the Houston Astros, but but also they need investigations into the Patriots too because you had a lot of stuff going on with the deflate the deflate gate and all that all right. the yep. crap. Well, you I mean, know, to, to well, me, deflate gate was silly. The, the the taping of the sidelines and the taping of practices, which has been alleged always. I mean, Kurt Warner feels like uh, that they knew what was coming in that Super Bowl. This is another – I'll leave Deflategate out because I always thought that that was overblown. But yeah, this one I, is is another example. You, you know, Bill Belichick can tell me, and if you look at that video, 
it's clear he's filming the sideline. He's not filming some some coaches doing some profile. I mean, he's clearly filming the sideline. All right, Floyd. Yes, yes. Oh, you stop. Yes. Um. And and if I was the Giants, I lose the game. Yeah. No. Look. I mean, I think uh, having the second pick at this point, I'm not telling you that it has huge value as opposed to maybe the third pick or the fourth pick, but I would rather have whatever value there is. It's almost like when the Knicks were last year uh, tanking, and people were like, well, if they get the second pick, if you know the second worst record, it's only like two percentage points. Yeah, but I'd rather have the two percentage points on my side. I'd rather have the chance of getting a, a little bit of a better player, and, and, and with the second pick, I think it's clearly a better, uh, the, the second best player, and he might be the best player in the draft. You know, like, if you take quarterback position out of it, I think that Chase Young, at least right now, from all the projections, he's he's the best, the most talented player. Let's go to uh, D in Queens. D, what's going on? Yeah, I want to follow up on the Patriots. I mean, this is ridiculous at this point. Like, they, they get no benefit of the doubt. None. And the league already looks cheap. Like, they favor the Patriots. Always remember, it's funny you brought up the Raiders, how this whole thing started. <laughs> okay? Yeah. You know, it's like uh, enough is enough, man. Like, this... I don't understand how the other 31 owners let this go. Like, why are they so beholden to just the Patriots? Like, come on, enough is – like, Bill Belichick should be gone for at least a year. Like, this this is it. Yeah, I, I don't know what the right – I'm sorry, D, we've got to get grounded because uh, Golik and Winger are coming up. But I don't know what the right punishment is. But, no, I mean, clearly it has to be some – something has – they have been told. They have been punished in the past. And it's pretty clear that it continues. So I'm reading the book right now by Ian O'Connor about Belichick. I have not gotten to the part about Spygate and all these things, but it's been alleged in the past that they have told people, well, when they when they come to you and ask you what you're doing, just make up some story. And that certainly seems like what they did here again. All right, that's going to do it for today. Poll questions up. Please vote on it. We'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.